So welcome back to the F-Cubed podcast. Man, it is 2019, and you know, we took a minute off there. We took a couple months and uh, definitely put the podcast on the back burner, or actually, effectively, no burner. Uh, I just, I just frankly... I had a lot of things going on, man, and you know things started to pick up with uh, full throttle fat loss, the course, and so I really needed to make some decisions, and the podcast had to take a back seat for a little while, but I think we are back in full force. We should be good to go for the rest of 2019. I have a much more streamlined and organized process for how I batch and get done with my content. And so I am going to shoot to give you guys a new podcast episode every single week on Fridays. So that can be your expectation. Obviously, we'll go through all three of the F's with heavier heavier emphases or emphases being placed on fitness and faith with the occasional finance piece too. And so I'm super excited about this piece you guys are about to listen to here today. Because we're going to talk about meal plans and flexible dieting. And you know, if you are inside of the fitness circles in any way, shape, or form, like if you're you know, reading blogs or following people on social media or whatever, these are two of the most popular ways to approach your nutrition. And so I wanted to take some time and lay out basically the pros and the cons of both and then share with you guys in a very open and transparent way what I think about what is the best approach and what I do myself both what I've done in the past and what I do present day. And so we're going to get into that here in just a second. But before we do, I have to share one more thing with you guys. Depending on when you listen to this, it may be almost done or it may already be done, but the fat loss formula. So this is my latest creation and it is almost finished as of January 25th, 2019. It's going to be done here in just a few days. So if you listen to this episode, you know, in February or March or sometime later in the year, then it is done. What I've done is I've boiled down fat loss into three primary variables, three factors that you need to focus all of your energies on. So if you've been frustrated, if you've struggled to find a consistent approach to fat loss, and you've just been kind of stymied in getting the scale to move lower, then hey man, you need to check out the fat loss formula. It's totally free, right? It is totally 100% free. You can click the link down below in the show notes and you can grab it right now. Now, if you're listening to this on January 25th, then this will put you on the waiting list. And like I said, it should be done in just a couple of days. And so you can sign up in about 25 seconds and then this will give you a very clear path forward to fat loss. It's not going to answer every single question. It's not intended to do that. But what it's going to do is it's going to give you a very, very clear and simple path to get you started to get that fat being burned and to get that scale moving lower. So download the fat loss formula. But hey, man, without further ado, here is today's episode. Hey, Jim Schultz here for the F-Cubed Podcast, and uh, yeah, we took uh, we took a little time off there. I would say we took a solid, solid two months off. Uh, I think my last episode was right before Thanksgiving, and here we are, man. It is January 21st. 
when I am recording this. I don't know exactly when it's going to air, but it'll probably air sometime shortly after that. And so, uh, you know, I mean, basically, it just came down to with full throttle fat loss and some of the other things I've got going on. I just had too many, too many pans on the burners, man. You know, the stove was full and something needed to get cut. And so I had to put the podcast on the back burner or really no burner for for a little while there. But I think I've got things a little bit more streamlined now. So I'm excited to get the podcast back up and running here for 2019. And rather than try to do an episode uh, three times a week, I'm going to shoot for one episode per week. I really think that that's a realistic goal. And my hope is from this moment forward, you guys can count on a new podcast coming from me every single week, you know, in one of the three F's, fitness, finance, or faith, with the heavier uh, emphases being placed on emphasize, maybe? With, with, the, with the heavier weight being placed on fitness and faith. And so... So that's what that's where we're at, man. That's what's going on. And so I appreciate you guys. If you're still interested in this podcast, I thank you very much for your time and your attention. And so today I wanted to talk about meal plans versus flexible dieting. So these two oftentimes, at least in the fitness ranks that I kind of that I kind of find myself in oftentimes when it comes to like discussions or, you know, following certain people or whatever. A lot of times it it seems like these are mutually exclusive. Like it has to be a meal plan or flexible dieting. Like you're either following one or you're following the other. And I would say, you know, if you guys have been following the podcast for any period of time, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm probably more of a flexible dieting guy than I am a meal plan guy. And, you know, there are good reasons why I feel that way, and I'm going to get into that here today. But, you know, truth be told, I can't, I've i definitely done both throughout my career, definitely. I've had periods of time where I've only adhered to a meal plan. And so from a definitional standpoint, what is a meal plan type of diet? It's basically where you have all of your meals all mapped out. And they're all pretty much the same from one day to the next. There's not a lot of variation. So, for example, you know, you have chicken and broccoli and sweet potato for dinner every single night. Like, that's just that's on your meal plan. Either you built it yourself or your coach gave it to you or whatever. That is a meal plan. I've done that. I've done that for many, many, many years. And that was pretty much the approach I took early on in my bodybuilding career. Now, contrast that with... You know, flexible dieting, flexible dieting, or you know, one of its one of its popular acronyms is IIFYM. You know, if it fits your macros, is kind of you can eat whatever you want, just make sure that it hits your numbers. You can eat whatever you want, just make sure that you know your your numbers are in line with your protein, carbs, fats, and fibers. And so, just kind of getting the definitions out of the way first, I think that's helpful. Especially if the the terms or the ideas are kind of new to you. Well, I want to talk about today which one is better. So which one is most likely going to be the best approach to you? Which one is most likely going to give you the healthiest relationship with food, the most efficient path to reach your goals, 
and just, you know, kind of wherever else the wind blows us here today to kind of talk through the characteristics of both diets or each diet. So let's kind of start with meal plans. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to talk about kind of the, you know, sort of like the pros and the cons to both plans and then I'll offer up my own suggestion as to what you can what you should consider. So with a meal plan, right? Here is a huge pro. Huge pro. You don't have to think. There will be no thought involved whatsoever. Again, whether you build this yourself or your coach gives it to you or you take it off the internet or whatever, it's all mapped out for you, man. Like, you know, meal one, egg whites and a banana. Meal two, protein shake. Meal three, protein shake. Meal four, chicken, broccoli, and sweet potato. Meal five, cottage cheese, broccoli, and, you know, two Oreos or whatever it ends up being, right? But it's literally like there's no thought. You All you, all you have to do is execute. That, my friends, is a huge pro. Huge pro. But here's a huge con. Huge con. Maybe huger than the pro was. You, whether you realize it or not, you are basically going to be compartmentalizing or bucketing off good foods and bad foods. You are basically training yourself, training your mind, to think about foods that are good and foods that are bad. And this is going to be very, very problematic for you in a couple of different ways. So number one, I don't think any nutritional plan that involves your classifying some foods as good and some foods as bad, like not temporarily, Like, you know, like I get it, man. Like if you've got a low day or you're really trying to grind and and go lower and take your body fat down, you're at the very end, you've got five more pounds to lose, then yes, I got it. Eating broccoli is better than having biscuits. Like I got it, right? Like in that, for that temporary moment, yes, broccoli good, biscuits bad. Like I, I totally am with you. But I think that in this circumstance, this is not a temporary thing. It's kind of a permanent thing. And if you just spend, you know, days, weeks, months adhering to this meal plan, you're just kind of subconsciously, you know, casting votes for the foods that you keep eating every day as good foods, while also subconsciously or maybe unconsciously (laughs) casting votes for the foods that are not on your list as bad foods. And this can really, really breed a very, very unhealthy relationship with food. And I am speaking from experience. I'm not telling you guys about something that I read off the internet or something I read in a book or something that one of my fitness heroes wrote about. Like, no, I'm telling you guys something that I lived through for years. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about that in uh, a a coming uh, podcast episode that is going to be what nobody will tell you about tracking macros or the truth about tracking macros or something like that. Because whether it be a meal plan or a flexible dieting, like you guys already know, or maybe you don't know, but if you know, if you do know or you don't know, here you go. I track macros, right? I'm a big macro guy. I really feel like that's, you know, I really feel like that's the best best path forward. But I'll save that for the 
the the truth about macros episode. But in the here and now, I mean, this is something I've experienced. This is something I've, I've done for many, many, many months and many, many, many years. And I can tell you firsthand, you will develop a relationship with food that is not going to be the healthiest relationship with food. But here's another big con. And, you know, I'm going to be fair. I'm not just going to bash meal plans. Like, I'm about to bash flexible dieting here in a second. So don't you worry. Here's another big, big con. 95% of diets fail. And the you may have heard that statistic before. I've heard that statistic before. So where does that where does that number come from? Well, there there are, there's a couple different studies and pieces of research that are kind of pointed to to support that number. But what I have found that fits the best with that number is for people who lose weight within 3 years, only 3 years, 95% of them gain back everything they've lost and oftentimes more than what they lost. So when you think about someone who goes on a diet, when you think about someone that actually successfully loses some weight, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 25 pounds, you know, whatever it is, within three years, 95%, so that's 19 out of every 20 of those individuals end up gaining back everything they've lost. And then most of them, maybe not the full 95%, but most of them end up gaining back even more. So they end up net either net zero or net backwards, net bigger, right? Like they're trying to get leaner and healthier and thinner and they actually end up going the other direction in just three short years. Well, I mean, there could be a host of reasons for why that is the case. And so, you know, I'm not going to try to unpack each and every one of those for two reasons. Number one, that would make this podcast at least an hour long. And number two, I'm not, going to pretend that I'm smart enough to know all the reasons. But I'll tell you I'll tell you what. Here's one of the reasons. One of the reasons is meal plans. One of the reasons is you know, people want to get in shape and they are so gung-ho at the beginning and they are so just fired up to get the get the weight off and and start fitting into clothes they haven't fit into in a while. And I got it, man. I've been there. I've lived it many, many times. Like I know exactly what that feels like. Well, looking at a meal plan and just saying, all right, all I have to do is execute. All I have to do is X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to get there. You know, that just makes things so simple and it's so appealing. The simplicity is so attractive. And, you know, oftentimes the most effective processes are simple or the simplest of all the available processes. And so I totally get that 100%. But the problem is, and I think this helps to speak to that, alarming statistic of 95%. When you eat on a meal plan, you know, you've got the good foods and the bad foods. You've got that going on. But here's another angle to that whole thing. You are not learning how to do this while living a regular life, so to speak. In other words, it's not realistic to expect you to eat chicken, broccoli, and sweet potato for dinner every night for the rest of your life. I mean, I mean, this is a big reason why I don't think something like keto is a great 
uh, solution for everybody because it's not realistic to expect you to not eat carbs for the rest of your life. It's just not. Can you do it for a month or three months or six months? Maybe. Even if you can, it's just not realistic, right? When you try to reintroduce that back into society, you're going to feel like you just broke out of prison and it's going to be carbs everywhere, man. Carbs carbs all day or day. And so that's just that's just the truth. And so when you think about, I don't want to turn this into a keto thing because I've bashed keto enough with YouTube videos and other podcasts and stuff. But when you think about meal plans, it's the same thing happening. It's just it's just kind of disguised in a different way. You are not learning how to do this with everyday life. You are not learning how to do this with two small children that you'd like to go out to lunch with. Like I have, you know, Penelope and Eli. Penelope's four. Eli will be two in a couple months. You know, you're not you're not learning how to do this with a wife that would love to make you dinner, like my beautiful wife Autumn. You're not learning how to do this with you know Christmas and Thanksgiving when you know you're spending time with friends and family and you have a job that has work parties or has lunch catered or whatever. You're not learning how to do any of that. What you're learning how to do is kind of you know live inside of this bubble, a bubble that I have ha- that I have lived inside for years. And if you don't believe me, man, you guys need to look up my college roommate, Anthony Stalter. He does sports radio in St. Louis for ESPN. Look him up. You can find him on Twitter. You can just Google him. You'll find him immediately and ask him about me. I was in a bubble. That's how my bodybuilding career started. And so when I share all this with you guys, I just, I want to bring that up a couple times because this is important. Not only is it important to me, but it's real, man. It's real for me. I lived it. So I'm speaking from experience. That's a big, big con, man. That's a big, big con. If you don't know how to kind of reintroduce yourself back into regular society, how can you expect to keep that weight off? I don't think it's realistic to expect yourself to keep that weight off. And so, you know, I think that helps to explain this 95% uh, statistic. Now, I I can't say that all these dieters did do a meal plan. So, of course, there are other things going on here too. But like I said, I just think that that's a part of it. Okay, so if meal plans aren't the answer, then what about flexible dieting? Is that the answer? Well, let's kind of let's work through that. So on the pro side, a big pro of flexible dieting is you have the freedom to eat effectively whatever you want. Now, it's not all glitter and gummy bears, literally. Because of the fact that you have to hit certain, you know, metrics, specifically the fiber targets that you have to hit are going to force you into, you know, I did an episode a while back called the fiber funnel. And so definitely listen to that guy. If you guys haven't listened to that already, check that out. It's one of the earlier ones. I think it's in the thirties or the forties in terms of episode number, but it basically talked about how, you know, it sounds glamorous and it sounds really sexy to say, oh yeah, I just flexible diet. I just eat whatever I want. Well, if you're actually hitting your fiber targets, as you probably are if you're taking this seriously, you just you can't eat gummy bears all day long. You can't eat Pop-Tarts all day long because they don't have any fiber. So you basically end up eating pretty healthy foods most of the time. But it does give you that freedom to include foods that you might really, really enjoy that would normally be classified as a bad food in a meal plan. So that's, you know, that that's a really, really positive thing. But let me give you two cons to flexible dieting. The first con is this. 
it's all that freedom. All that freedom. Sometimes it does not work for you. It works against you. Because you feel like, oh my gosh, like you have no direction. Like you don't quite know where to go. You don't quite know what to eat. And you're like, oh man, well I can eat whatever I want. So let me really push this to the extreme. And again, speaking from experience, I've spent many a day pushing the boundaries of that freedom. Way beyond where they should have ever been pushed. Way beyond, you know, like eating until you are full. Way beyond like eating until you are in pain. So I know me some pushing the boundaries of freedom when it comes to flexible dieting. That's kind of a negative. It can really, really work against you very, very quickly. And so a second con that's kind of closely related to that is, you know, if you're truly doing flexible dieting, like if you are doing it hardcore where you're like, man, you know what? I've got my targets today, 200 protein, 250 carbs, 60 fat, you know, 35 fiber, man, I am going to take a brand new path to get to those targets every single day. Again, that sounds amazing. And that sounds like just really, really awesome. But every day being a new adventure is going to make it extremely difficult on you to not only stay consistent, just in an overall sense, but from a measuring standpoint, because remember, we're tracking macros here, right? So we're not just, you know, eating clean foods on our approved list and calling it a day. Like, no, no. If you're going to do flexible dieting, like you've got to measure your food. You've got to weigh your food. You're not leaving the house without your food scale in your back pocket. Like it's just not going to happen. And so if you think about that, and I was sort of being serious there and sort of joking, I'll let you figure that out. But you're going to have to now figure out a way to accurately include all these new foods. That is a huge pain in the rear. Let me tell you, man, when you're constantly having to figure out new foods, like you make this big dish, you make this big, you know, crock pot dish, or you make this big, you know, red curry or whatever that has 19 ingredients. And yes, it tastes amazing and it was well worth it from a taste standpoint, but now you've got to go back in and you've got to figure out what was in all those ingredients. You've got to figure out if you want to be accurate. Now, if you don't want to be accurate and you're flexible dieting, then you're pro- it's probably not going to work, right? So let's go ahead and say that because some of you might be listening and saying, oh, Jim, well, I'm just going to do it and I'm not going to track. Well, you, should, I mean, you can, but it's probably not going to work unless you have a ton of experience, unless you are very, very seasoned and you are able to eyeball things and estimate things with, with high levels of accuracy. And I can tell you right now, if you're not sure if you're able to do that, the answer is no, you're not able to do that. And so... It takes a lot of experience and just a lot of time doing this to build up that level of awareness. But man, that is, I mean, that's a big pain. That's a huge pain. Because little differences in highly calorically dense foods can lead to drastic changes in your physique, in your body composition over time. For example... 60 grams of fat a day is not the same thing as 50 grams of fat a day. That's a big, big, big difference. That's 10 grams of fat. That's 90 calories. 
If you th- if you do that once or twice, is it going to make a difference? No, nah, no, it's not. But if you are routinely missing the mark by 10 grams of uh, fat or 12 grams of fat or 20 or 25 carbs, which these are these numbers are not easy to these numbers are very easy to miss. These numbers are very easy to misestimate. And so I wanted to, you know, use examples that you can easily miss the mark by 10 grams of fat if you're not really careful. And that's 9200 grams, uh, that's 9200 calories a day. You do that every day for a month, that's 30 days. That's almost a full pound. That's almost a full pound in body weight scale. And if you're only looking to lose like a pound a week or so, you're taking a pretty conservative approach, you basically have just lost an entire week of progress because you were miscalculating your fat grams, which again, not hard to do. So that kind of brings me to the conclusion. So now you might be thinking, Jim, I don't want to do any of these. Like the way you've kind of, you know, you I don't, you may have, you may have needed to take some more time off here, bro. Like you're not coming out of the gates too strong. Like I'm not feeling really good about either one of these. Well, let me hopefully paint a silver lining around this dark, stormy cloud. My favorite and what I've done for the last five, six, seven years, which has allowed me to, you know, get lean and stay relatively lean, not always as lean as I would like, but still consistently 15 to 25 pounds lighter than I spent most of my 20s and all of basically all of my teens. It's a combination. It's a combo pack of both, of meal planning and flexible dieting. So I can tell you pretty much exactly how my days are set up. Not necessarily by meal by meal. I don't think anybody wants to care about, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. And I don't think you guys care that much about me to want to know what the exact meals are. But I can tell you right now that about 80, 75 to 80% of my days from one day to the next are pretty much the same. There are a couple substitutions here, like sometimes I have strawberries, and sometimes I have blueberries, and sometimes I have onions with my chicken, and sometimes I have avocado with my chicken, and like that kind of stuff, right? But basically, 75 to 80% of my daily food intake is of the meal plan variety. So it's pretty static from one day to the next, and there's not a whole lot of wiggle room other than what I kind of said. The other 20 to 25% is where the flexible part comes in. It's where I allow myself to enjoy foods I would not normally enjoy. It's where I allow myself to go out to eat with my family or friends or enjoy food at a work function or whatever. And not only not, not, only not feel bad about it, but feel like, hey, I'm going to enjoy this food and I'm going to stay on track. And like I'm literally not losing anything in the process. Yes, it's a little bit of a pain because I have to figure out the new macros for this new dish. But again, keep in mind, I'm only doing this 20 to 25% of the time. All the rest of my meals, they're so similar from one day to the next that tracking my food is so, so seamless. It's all pretty much pre-populated in MyFitnessPal. And I just have to you know, do a couple of clicks and just carry it over to the next day and adjust the amounts a little bit and I'm set. I'm ready to go. But, you know, one thing that I learned, and this is kind of like an insider, like super, super secret pro tip. One thing that I learned that really helped me out a lot was with that 20 to 25%, not only 
do I want to, you know, enjoy foods I don't normally eat? And not only do I get to enjoy foods I don't normally eat, but I actually make myself enjoy foods I don't normally eat. Now that may sound kind of weird, right? You make yourself enjoy like that sounds like a straight up oxymoron. But I basically, I make myself go off the beaten path. I make myself include foods that you would normally classify as bad foods. Because, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago how, you know, I've been able to, you know, get lean and stay relatively lean for basically the last, basically since I've turned about 30, 31, I'm 37 now. Well, for the first part of my bodybuilding career, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but, you know, we've taken two months off. It's kind of like we're starting over. I basically would get in shape for the bodybuilding shows, and then I would snap right back to where I was. I would not, I would not maintain any of the leanness. I would literally look that I would look like I hadn't even worked out, you know, anywhere from a month to four months after the bodybuilding show. I would lose everything I had worked so hard for. That entire time corresponds with a meal plan. That entire time corresponds with my, whether I realized it or not, falling into you know good foods, bad foods. Well. Since I've started forcing myself to include non-bodybuilding foods in what I do and how I eat, when my bodybuilding shows are over, don't get me wrong, I wish I, I still wish to this day I would I would have been able to stay leaner than I was able to after some of my more recent bodybuilding shows. But still, I've come nowhere near where my you know where where it all started for me in my early, mid, even late twenties. And so it's not, you know, I've definitely made some progress. A big reason why I think I've been able to do that is because when you are regularly having waffles, when you are regularly having, you know, Honey Nut Cheerios, when you are regularly having like Pop-Tarts, and by regularly, I mean like every week, you know, a couple times a week, when the diet is over, you don't feel like you just broke out of prison. Like you don't feel like, oh my gosh, like the cage is open. I got to eat it all today because it could be gone tomorrow. Like that's how you feel when you're on a meal plan and the diet is over, right? I mean, for those of you out there that have done this, you know exactly what I'm saying. And for those of you out there that haven't done this, just know that that's what you're potentially signing up for if you go down that route. But if you include non-bodybuilding foods along the way, to me, it's the best of both worlds. It gives you not only the best chance to reintroduce yourself back into normal society when you're done, but it also gives you the best chance to adhere to the diet while you're in it, which we haven't even talked about today. You know, adherence, you know, that's literally the most important thing. I don't care how great a diet sounds on paper. I don't care how great a diet sounds in theory. It, may, it means nothing to me or you or anyone else if you can't do it. If you can't do it, if you can't stick to it, then it literally doesn't matter. And so a meal plan, I don't think you can stick to that long term for all the reasons I've said. Flexible dieting, I don't think you can stick to that long term either because I think there's too much freedom. But a combination where it's mostly a meal plan but you've got that 20, 25, 30% flexible dieting in there where you're like, all right, yeah, like I'm eating waffles. I'm eating these things that I enjoy. Not only is this going to give me a better chance to get back into normal life when this thing is over, but as I'm going through my weeks, when those low days get really low and those hard days get really hard, I'll tell you right now, man, it really helps 
to be looking forward to a plate of waffles on Thursday night. Like that really, that really makes those Tuesday low days a little bit easier. Knowing that you have a s'mores Pop-Tart waiting for you as your pre-workout snack on Friday morning, that's going to make that Wednesday grind just a little bit easier. I know it and you know it. And so the main key here is that if you are searching for a nutritional plan, if you struggled in the past, let's say, you struggled in the past, you haven't been able to find something that sticks, you haven't been able to find something that works for you, I can just tell you from personal experience, having tried most of the diets out there, the only, you know, in some form or another, you know, I I can't say I ever gave keto a full shake because it never made sense to me. It never made sense to me logically. It never made sense to me intuitively. You know, I think I tried it for like a couple of days and I'm like, all right, let me, I sat myself down and said, okay, Jim, seriously, bro, you're not going to not eat oatmeal for the rest of your life. It's just, there's no world where that exists. So I shut it down and I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But coming from me, coming from someone who has tried a number of things out there, if you've not tried a hybrid approach, a hybrid approach between flexible dieting a little bit and meal planning a lot of it, find meals that you really enjoy, find meals that you really look forward to. There's no reason why you can't do that for the ones that are your healthiest meals throughout the day. Have that be your core foundation and then around that, mix in some flexible dieting 20 to 25% of the time. And you know what? I think you will have a nutritional plan that is not only effective and efficient, but most importantly, it's going to be sustainable. So that's it, man. We are back. We are back in the mix with the podcast. I really hope you guys got some value from that. And I, again, I appreciate your time and attention so very much that I I think I'm going to shut it down right here. And I will see you guys next time. Podcast listeners, thank you guys so much for your attention, for your time. Man, I am just so appreciative. Definitely take some time though. Check out the YouTube channel. You know, you can find it, man, you can find it a number of ways. You can find it through any of my social media. You can go to LiveFCubed, which is kind of the website kind of the central repository for F-Cubed. If you go there, right in the upper right-hand corner of the site, you can click on the YouTube icon. You know, I don't have enough clout or prestige yet to give you guys like, you know, like a YouTube forward slash, you know, Jay Schultz or a YouTube forward slash, you know, F-Cubed. I'm pretty sure right now it's YouTube forward slash and then like the alphabet backwards and a whole series of numbers that I certainly don't remember. So I'm not going to give it to you guys that way. But like I said, you can find it a number of ways, social media, the website, whatever. Check it out. Check out the channel. All kinds of content I try to put up there. You know, at least a few new pieces each week. Check it out. I hope you like it. And I'll see you guys on the flip side.